When Jesus rose from the dead, Mary Magdalene met him at the tomb. And in that revelation of himself, he told her to stop clinging to him because he had not yet appeared unto the father. He had not ascended to the father. What was he talking about? <laughs> Let's check that out. All right. Now to start, we're going to look at John chapter 20 and verse 17. And basically that will bring us into how we want to lay our foundation to understand what in the world was going on. So let's just go to that passage. Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me for I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father and my God and your God. So what was he talking about? Now, in the King James version, he says, stop touching me. But now the verb hop to, is sometimes used uh, to mean touch, but here it may actually hop toe. <laughs> but here, this particular verb is used in that present tense Greek format. So it's not so much as stop touching me, but actually Jesus said, as it is in our NASB version, stop clinging to me. And he said, stop clinging to him. Stop trying to hold on to him. That is to keep him there. And you can understand uh, what was going on probably in the mind of Mary Magdalene in that Jesus had just died and, uh, and now she sees him back to life again. So what does she feel? She's probably feeling whatever you do, Lord, don't leave us again. You got it? So Jesus is saying, but I have to leave you. And notice what he said that he has to leave her, stop clinging to me, because I have to appear to the Father. I have to ascend to the Father. That is, I have to go to heaven. So the question is, what was Jesus, what did he have to do? And it seemed that whatever it was that he had to do, immediately after his resurrection, he had to do it in heaven. What did mm -hmm. Jesus have to do in heaven after his resurrection? Let's find out. So th the question is now, do the scriptures give us some sort of indication of what he had to do immediately after his death, after his great sacrifice, after he shed his blood on the cross? I'm giving you guys some clues to it already. But do the scriptures give us any kind of hint to what was going on? Let's start here in Hebrews. Hebrews 8, verse 1. Let's look at the text. Now, the main point, and, and before I even get into that, now what's going on in the whole book? This is the whole theme of Hebrews as a whole. And of course, we don't have time to go through all of that. But the theme of Hebrews is, it is an encouragement to those Jewish Christians to stay in Jesus, to remain with their faith in the Messiahship of Jesus. Why? Because everything about Jesus is better than everything about the Levitical customs or the Levitical priesthood. What? Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus' priesthood is better than the priesthood of Aaron. 
Jesus' sacrifice is better than the sacrifices of the Levitical priesthood. So with that understanding concerning what Jesus' particular sacrifices being better than those of the Levitical priesthood, now let us look at Hebrews chapter 8. Starting at verse number one. Now, the main point in what has been said is this. We have such a high priest. We do. And that high priest we know as whom? Jesus, the Messiah, who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Notice Jesus' priesthood now being indicated where? In heaven. A minister in the sanctuary. Watch that part, guys. Jesus is a minister in what? The sanctuary in the true tabernacle. Uh-huh. So now, which the Lord pitched and not man. So what, what do we learn? There is a tabernacle, or in other words, there is a temple in heaven. And who built this temple? The Lord. Notice what it said. The Lord pitched and not man. So clearly the reference is what? To a heavenly tabernacle or what? A heavenly temple. And this temple, the Lord himself built. Okay, but let's just go on so you can see the point even clearer. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. That is a high priest. Jesus is a high priest. And since the Levites on earth had to offer what? Sacrifices in what? The earthly tabernacle. Jesus, the high priest, the true and great high priest, he also must offer what? Sacrifices. But the sacrifices here are not the sacrifices on earth, but it is the sacrifices, as verse number two said, in the heavenly temple. Verse number four, now if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all. Jesus is not on earth. He's not doing that, doing the priestly service on earth. But what? He's in heaven. Since there are those who offer gifts according to the law. Five, and here's the point that I'm trying to prove. I want to show you. Concerning the earthly tabernacle or the temple. The temple which was standing. That was the temple that was built by King Solomon. That was the temple that was rebuilt when they returned back by Zerubbabel, okay? That was the rebuilt temple that was built in the return of the exile. But the whole point is this. The temple that they had came first from what? Moses. That's what it was, the tabernacle in the wilderness. And that's when God gave what? The commandment for the first tabernacle to be built. When Solomon built the temple, that temple was built based upon the tabernacle of Moses. And that's the point that the writer is trying to say. So here's the point in verse number five. Who serve a copy and shadow of heavenly things, just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle, what? For see, he says, that is God, that you make all things in the tabernacle according to the pattern which was shown to you on the mountain. So the point that I'm trying to make is this, and the writer of Hebrews is making is, the earthly tabernacle was made as a copy of the tabernacle or temple in heaven. So therefore, there is a temple in heaven, a temple in heaven itself. 
And when Moses made the tabernacle, it was made as a copy of the tabernacle that was already existing in heaven. Okay. All right. Now we turn. I tell you what, let's do it this way. But what happened? What happened with the tabernacle or the temple in heaven? When we go to the book of Ezekiel chapter 28, and I don't want to make this a long teaching at all. So allow me just to get to the main point. We find that the Bible speaks of the king of Tyre, Ezekiel 28 verses what 11 through 19. Now this king of Tyre literally is not so much as a man. He is Satan himself because the Bible calls him the anointed cherub. And the cherub is an angel of God. As a matter of fact, the cherub is the highest order of angels. Remember, you have the messenger angels, okay? The messengers of God. Then you have what? The seraphim, the holy angels of God. All of them are holy angels of God. But the seraphim of God, the burning ones, which is literally what seraph means. And the highest order of angels are the cherubim. Satan is of the highest order of angels. Satan is a cherub. And the Bible calls him Ezekiel in this passage here, chapter 28, the anointed cherub or the actual word for anointed is the same word, guys, we get Messiah. So Satan was the chief of all angels. Okay. And he had a particular ministry in the heaven, <laughs> in heaven itself. But let's just get to the point because I don't want to make this long. And I tell you what, if you leave comments at the bottom of this teaching, I'll bring you a lesson about Satan and the origin of Satan, who he was, where he came from, how he fell. I bring that entire teaching to you guys. All right. But let's get to the main point. When we get to Ezekiel chapter 28 and we look at verse number 18, notice what the scripture says about Satan in his ministry in heaven. Notice what it says. By the multitude of your iniquities. So we see sin, right? Great sin in the unrighteousness of your trade. And literally what it's, and it's talking about even earlier, what it says, the sin of Satan, the trade of what he was doing. He was simply going back and forward, trying to turn the angels of God against God. He was bad mouthing God the Father or God, let's just simply say it that way, in trying to turn away the angels of God. And the scriptures said that he was successful in Revelation chapter 12 in that what? He convinced a third of the angels of God to rebel against God. So this is what's going on here. So when we get to verse number 18, that multitude of iniquities and he's going back and forward and trying to turn the angels of God away from God. Notice what he said he did. You profaned your sanctuaries. You profaned your sanctuaries. And we know that also in Ezekiel 28, we find out that it was Satan who stood as the chief representative angel of God 
in the sanctuary of God. What do I mean? He represented even all the angels of God. He was the greatest of all of God's creation. He was the chief angel who was the priestly angel. He was what? The priestly angel who represented the angels of God ministering in the very sanctuary of God. Satan ministered in the temple of God as a representative of the angels of God. And what did God say he did? He defiled that sanctuary by his sins. Notice, now the sanctuary in heaven itself has become defiled. Why? Because of the sins of Satan. All right, now let's take you to the next portion. Remember what we just said earlier, that number one, that when Moses made the tabernacle on earth, it was a copy, a copy of what? The tabernacle or the temple in heaven itself. Now what we have told you, that very tabernacle and temple was profaned by Satan. It is now an unclean place. You got it? But And here is the wonderful thing, guys, and I don't even have time to, to go into it, but just think about it for yourself. This was somewhere in the dateless past when this happened with Satan. Thousands upon thousands, probably maybe even millions upon millions of years ago in which Satan had done, done these particular things, okay? But anyway, the bottom line is the tabernacle of heaven was defiled. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter nine. Let's look at verse number 11, okay? And I think that'll give us, a, a take us right to the point and give us the understanding that we're seeking. Verse 11, but when the Messiah, and, I, and, I, and guys, you'll hear me do that a lot uh, because the reason why I don't like to say Christ as much is because most people use it like it's his last name. Actually, it's talking about Christ is the Greek word Christos, which literally is the Hebrew word Hamashiach. That means the Messiah, the anointed one, one sent by God, one called by God, one chosen by God for a particular purpose. So we need to keep that in mind that it's about what Jesus will do as he, he comes as the Messiah, okay? But when Christ, the Messiah, appeared as a high priest of good things to come, notice what he says. The Messiah through the greater and more perfect tabernacle. Now, is he talking about the temple that Jesus entered into? Look at what the verse says. The temple, the tabernacle, not made with hands. Remember earlier we talked about the tabernacle in Hebrews the tabernacle that the Lord pitched, that the Lord made. So now we're talking about Jesus as the priest of God, interceding as a high priest. He enters into not the earthly tabernacle, not the ones, what did he say? Made with hands. That is, not, that is to say, not of this creation. So he makes it real clear. He is not entering the, he's not talking about when Jesus was on earth and walked in the temple, but he's talking about the time when Jesus, after his death, ascended 
and went into the tabernacle of heaven itself. What did he do when he entered? The, what was the purpose of his entering this tabernacle, the temple of heaven? Why did Jesus go into the temple of heaven? Verse number 12 tells us. And not through the blood, notice, blood, blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, his own blood, he entered the holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. What did he do? He took his own blood, where? Into the heavenly temple, heavenly temple. <laughs> all right. Notice it even, and let's just go on to verse number 22, and we'll see it even better so we can make our point, and I'll end the video. What does it say? Well, let's look at verse 21. And in the same way, he sprinkled both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry of blood. That's the whole point of talking about cleansing. Things as, as Moses and the Levitical priests would sprinkle blood in the tabernacle as a form of cleansing. That's the point that we're continuing the teaching of Hebrews 9. So what? In like manner, Jesus did what? He took his own blood, not on the tab to the tabernacle of earth, but he took it to the tabernacle of heaven itself. Verse number 22. Now we get to the point. And then according to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood. See that? It must be clean. Things cleansed with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. 23. Therefore, what? It is necessary for the copies of things in the heavens to be cleansed with these. That is, when Moses and the Levitical priests took the blood of bulls and goats, they cleansed it. They cleansed those things in the temple, the earthly temple, with the blood of bulls and goats. You got it? Why? Because this was the way it should be done, would be done. Notice the end of the verse. But the heavenly things should be what? The idea he's talking about is what? Cleansing with blood. But cleansing with what? Chapter 9, verse 11. Cleansing with the blood of the Messiah. So what? Therefore, the heavenly things, would that those things would be cleansed themselves with sacrifices, better sacrifices than these. And what is the better sacrifice? Notice he says, the sacrifices of blood of bulls and goats. These were not the better sacrifices. The best sacrifice is the blood of the Messiah himself. Now let's bring these things all together. So what is he teaching? The writer of Hebrews is teaching us that it was the blood of Jesus, the Messiah, that cleansed, that cleansed the temple in heaven. Why? Ezekiel 28 tells us that Satan, by his sins, since he was the representative of the angels, he was the minister in the temple of God, but he sinned and therefore he defiled his sanctuaries. He defiled the sanctuaries of God. Therefore, it was necessary for the blood of Jesus to do what? To cleanse to sprinkle clean the things of the things of the temple in heaven itself. So what happened? After Jesus was crucified, 
after he rose from the dead, he had to ascend to heaven. Ascend to heaven. And remember, he was met by Mary. And what did Mary do? She grabbed him. In the whole sense of it, she was saying, Lord, please don't leave us. But what did he say to her? Okay, I'll be back. That's and I'm paraphrasing because that's what he did over the course of 40 days. He would return back, but for the moment, she had to let him go. Why? He had to ascend to heaven to the Father. To do what? The writer of Hebrews says he had to take his blood in which he had just shed and cleansed the temple of heaven. All right, guys. Thank you for joining me for that little nugget. By the way, if you have not subscribed, subscribe now. It'd be a great time to do so. And be careful to hit that notification button so you'll be notified every time we upload another lesson. All right, guys. Catch you next time.